Good morning, church. Man, it is good to see everyone today, and it is uh, good to be excited about Easter. Easter is a coming, guys. It is only a few weeks away, and as a pastor, as a leader of God's church, I get wound up about Easter because it's like the focus of the body of Christ's living, uh, living life. We have the opportunity to partake in life here on this earth um, day to day without fear of death because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of the resurrection that happened. So I'm really excited about Easter. It is on its way. And uh, let me tell you about one more thing. Um, our new church building just got the first coat of paint on the ceiling. Now, there's some more to do, but I want to let you know that we are working on that, and it's in the process of being, being uh, built and finished. So hopefully that uh, we can be moving into that new building in the next uh, year or so, sooner, I hope. So uh, be praying about that. Uh, let's just bow for prayer right quick before we get into his word. Father God, so grateful that you are here with us today. And as we open your book and read your word, Lord, guide us to understanding the truth that you need us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are going through a series uh, entitled Serious Learning. You know, uh, learning what Jesus taught and putting it into play is serious business. The, the time that really makes me think about that the most is when I'm preparing a eulogy. Eulogy, the message that uh, someone gives at a funeral service. At that time, I think about how do you put in words something that will give the folks hope who have just lost a loved one. It really makes me think about the seriousness of what Jesus taught. Because without Jesus' words of hope, of guidance, then a funeral is a pretty dark place. That's the time when I think about the seriousness of Jesus' words. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, the Beatitude tells us, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Words of Jesus, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Now, um, there's three things about this beatitude that come to mind as, as far as needing further clarification. The first thing is heart. What is meant here by heart? Jesus said, God blesses those whose hearts uh, is probably not talking about the physical heart, right? Probably talking about something else. So we're, we're going to look into that. Uh, the second thing is, what does pure mean? Where is the line that draw, is drawn from um, pure and not pure? What specifically are we talking about as far as being pure? And how can we have a pure heart? And the third thing is seeing God. They will see God. We, we can see God. Now, I'm excited about that because, oh, I would love to see God. This is talking about later on, like when we all get to heaven over on the other side of Jordan, that glorious morning when we get to see him face to face in heaven, or is this talking about 
uh, today here on earth. Can we see God? So there's a lot packed in this little beatitude. Let's jump right into it. The first one is what is the heart? Now, physically, the organ inside of our chest, we call that a heart. That is a heart. It beats about 100,000 times a day. That's a bunch. That little dude's doing some work inside there. You know, it pumps um, 1,800 gallons in one day. And the, the gallons of fluid that it pumps is not just uh, a non-living substance. It is the life-sustaining substance of blood that feeds our whole body. Physically, the heart with its precious cargo is the life center of the human body. Human body. Uh, linguistically, we often refer to the heart as something as the central idea or the most important element. Like we would say, well, the heart of the movement is, or the heart of America, or the heart of the church. The idea is that it is the, the central part, the driving force. In a psychological sense, the heart is the seat of a person's collective energies. It's the focus of life. It's been said that the heart houses the moral and spiritual condition of a person. The moral and spiritual condition. In Proverbs, we are told, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And one time, Jesus asked a group of scribes, he said, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? An interesting question. I, I, I didn't know that we could have thoughts in our hearts. I, I feel like if we have thoughts, they must be in our brain. But Jesus says, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? There's something to this. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Jesus says, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Hmm. It appears that the heart, in this context, is capable of producing more than just love. You know, we typically think that the heart is a symbol of love. The heart is where we love somebody from, but it looks like but something other than love can come from the heart, or at least be in the heart. Therefore, the heart requires cleaning. It requires care and upkeep. Oh, this shouldn't surprise us. Uh, maybe uh, you're the kind of person who likes to take care of your car. Uh, some of us don't do a good job taking care of our cars. Um, but, uh, you know, when you get to a point where you rely on that car to get you to work every day or to um, take you a place that you need to go, then you start taking it seriously. You keep up with the engine. You change the oil. You make sure that it is, is, is running well. You know, I, I, like to, I like to think about going to Alaska and uh, not just flying to Alaska, but driving to Alaska. I love to hear stories 
about people like riding their motorcycles to Alaska because it's an adventure. And especially um, in the past, you know, 50 years ago when the uh, Alcan Road in Canada was a pretty treacherous road. What an adventure. Boy, if you was going to go on that kind of a drive, drive your car all the way to Alaska, you'd want to make sure that engine is in good shape. Well, you'd want to go through it before you left. Make sure it's got everything on it that it needs to run right. As a matter of fact, you might even want to put a new engine in your car. Better yet, buy a newer car. Because you're going to rely on that car to get you to Alaska. You don't want to be stuck halfway, broke down, with nobody to help you. No service stations no places that will uh, fix the little things or the large things. You want to make sure the engine in that car is good to go. You can rely on it. Maybe this is why David, after he sinned and committed adultery, he said, Psalms 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, Renew a loyal spirit within me. Man, David, he made a mistake when he committed adultery. It was bad. And he was the king, though. He was God's king. God was relying on him to do what he needed to do as a king. And it's just right here as if David is saying, Lord, I've got a lot of miles to go. And I don't want to take any chances on this dirty, broken down heart. So create in me a new heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. The heart is the control center. It's your inner person. It's, it's evident that the typical person uh, like me can't understand how their brain can make rational decisions sometimes and in other times completely irrational decisions based on emotions. It would be evident that this is the case because it appears that uh, God understands us humans. He made us, so he would. He understands us. And so he segregates the emotional side of us to the heart and the rational side of us to the mind. Rational, emotional. There's a lot of emphasis in Scripture put into the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring issues, the issues of life. How many of you know that from emotions come issues. Now, I live in a house, um, and I have lived in a house for the past seven years, where uh, the past seven years there has been uh, at least three teenagers in that house the whole time. There's a lot of emotion that goes around. And at one point in time, I had four teenagers in the house. There's a whole bunch of emotion. And this scripture says... Keep it with diligence. Hold on to your heart. 
take care of them, take care of the emotions that come from it because they can blow up. Everybody, you, you probably know that emotions used incorrectly or wrongly can cause fires. And your emotions can set a lot of things on fire. And once that fire catches, it, it catches the other people's emotions. And before long, there's a big old mess. You know, God wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. He wants all your love, both the, both the rational and the emotional part of you. So the heart is the inner person, the inner person of us. Oh, and, and um, by the way, uh, this doesn't mean that the inner person of us, the heart cannot change, of course. I think in our modern culture, a lot of times we hear this idea that uh, I am who I am. Be who you true to who you are on the inside. And so we get the idea as whoever I am cannot change the inner part of me. Scripture seems to speak the opposite of that. Change your heart, change your inner person, because sometimes the inner person in us is tempted to do the things that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, um, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and so on. Our hearts can be malicious. So we have to change our hearts, our inner person. Now, the second thing in that verse was pure. Uh, he wants us to have pure hearts. What, what does pure mean? Uh, purity is, is a favorable thing. It's a favorable concept to us in nearly every aspect and application of the word. We want pure water to drink. We want pure air to breathe. We value pure gold, uh, pure honey, and even pure gasoline to run our cars on. Purity is important to us. You know, whatever is pure is uncontaminated. It's not mixed. Whatever is pure is 100% clean. 100% good. So, how can we be good? How is that possible? You know, I am not in favor of learning things the hard way. There's plenty of us here, and uh, all of us have learned one or two things the hard way, a time or two. But uh, why? When there's plenty of other people learning things the hard way, that we can learn from them learning the hard way. It would make sense that we would learn from what they do and do wrong so that we don't have to learn the hard way. Hey, uh, the Pharisees, you know, they wanted to be pure, which is great. That's a great thing. God set up laws for the Jewish folk before Jesus came. And the Pharisees thought that, well, if one law is good, then two laws are better because we're going to get pure. And they thought, well, if, if 600 laws 
are good, then 1,200 laws are better. They're on their path to purity. They've got a mind. They are thinking, I know how to get pure, and they are working their way to it. Mm. You see what they're doing? It's all about work. Work hard to get pure. Even after Jesus came, they're still working on it. They're still sticking to their rules so that they could be purified. But you know what? It didn't work. And it doesn't work today either. Let's learn from the Pharisees. No matter how hard you try to be perfect, it isn't going to work. Here's what needs to happen. For the heart to be purified, it must be changed. It must be changed. Now, how do you do that? How do you change your heart? Well, you ask Jesus to come into your heart. Uh, that's something that we hear when we are a kid, and we, we understand that when we are a kid. To ask Jesus to come into our hearts, it makes sense. But when we get to be adults, um, we think, how does, how, does, how does Jesus come into that physical organ, right? Uh, ask Jesus into my mind, that, okay, uh, but into my heart, it doesn't really make sense to us. But when these verses that we are reading, <clears throat> it's talking about the inner self, and Jesus says, says that we need to change this and clean this inner self, it makes more sense now when we need to ask Jesus to come into our hearts. That's the purification process. It's what King David did. He asked God, come into my heart. It's the only way to get perfectly clean. You must be changed. I think of water. Um, <clears throat> there's lots of ways to filter water. There's the mechanical way where the water goes through a, uh, a, a you know a series of sand or, or um, filtering devices, and there's the biological way, and there's the um, the uh, chemical way to filter water. There's this really cool way called reverse osmosis to filter water. And uh, you should research that. That's really cool. But you know what? Um, all of those methods, although they are great for making cleaner drinking water, um, they're still only about 90 to 95 to 99% pure water after you're done. It turns out the best way to purify water is to change the water into steam. And then when the water is changed into steam, all the junk in the water, all the stuff that's not water, gets left behind. And the steam goes up and then condensates, turns into pure water again. The water has to be changed. You know, uh, this is kind of like the process that we go through. You know, for our hearts to be ultimately and completely purified, the process is similar. To get to heaven, we've got to leave all our stuff behind. It can't come with us. It's not possible. Everything that's in our hearts that is unpure, it can't go to heaven because we must be changed 
We have to leave it behind. Therefore, the purification process must take place. By the way, Jesus talks about it. Um, There must be a way that we can live with pure hearts here on earth as well. You know, we've talked about uh, the process of water being purified and the process of ourselves being purified as getting to heaven. But then it would seem that Jesus speaks of also being the possibility of us being pure here on earth. And that situation still requires a change of heart. Remember, the head thinks of ways to be pure and the heart takes issue with them. This is why we must set our hearts in the right direction. Set your heart. Psalms 119 verse 112 says, My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Set on keeping your decrees. Man, I was listening to a a sermon by Stephen Furtick the other day, and he reminded me of that uh, rotisserie oven thing that uh, used to be on the the, um, infomercials, and you would stick a chicken in there that was basted, and then you would shut it, and you would set it and forget it, right? Is that how it goes? You'd set it and forget it. The idea is is a cooking thing that would save time because you could um, set that thing and then forget. You you don't have to do anything else. It will handle itself, be done cooking the chicken at some point. You don't have to do anything else. It's easy. Set it and forget it. Uh, Sounds great. Nothing else to do, but that's not how setting the heart works. It's not. It's not how it works. Instead... You have to set your heart, and then you have to check it. And then you have to set it again. And then you have to check it again. And then you set it again, and then you go back and you, you, you check it. You have to continue to set your heart to keep it from slipping back into the impure state. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, this time in the New Living Translation, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If you don't guard your heart, if you don't set your heart, it will drag you all over the place. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Yikes. I don't want that dragging me all over the place. I don't want that determining the course of my life, something that is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's not exciting. It's scary, as a matter of fact. So we must guard our hearts. We set it in the direction of God so that He can purify it and it can be used for good. Now, how about some application? What does it look like to guard your heart? Well, you don't let junk in. <laughs> the idea is to get the junk out, not letting it in. 
So let me tell you some ways that junk gets in. And I don't have to tell you guys ways. Uh, I don't have to tell myself ways. But uh, here's how the junk can get in. The easiest, obvious ways are like watching uh, TV or movies. Man, we, we watch movies and we let our kids watch movies. That uh, Man, there's stuff that gets into our hearts there that does not glorify God. We don't like to participate in a lot of things in real life, but we will watch them for entertainment. That's an open opening for um, junk to get in. How about books? Man, I love, I love to read so many good books, so much we can learn from reading books. But you know, there's plenty of bad books, too. My wife was reading a book the other day, and um, she shut it and uh, put it by the table at the door and said, throw that in the, in the wood stove and burn it. <laughs> there must have been something unpure in that book. There's another way that uh, these uh, junk can get into our hearts. Instagram, TikTok, these things are kind of just, uh, I mean, they could be used for good and for glorifying God, absolutely, but it's also, it's an easy way for an instant download of junk to become put into our heart. Just, uh, I'm not a, not a social media kind of a guy, but, but um, recently, maybe at some point last year, um, I found the YouTube short. Do you know what a YouTube short is? Like, I think they're new, but I only started watching YouTube probably last year, so maybe they're not new. But uh, it's really crazy because I seen one little video thing, and it was on it was on a, a cowboy action shooter shooting targets as fast as he can. I'm interested in that, so I clicked on it and I watched it. It's like a 10-second video of this guy hitting all the targets. I mean, just excellent. Well, next thing I know, another thing popped up, and it was a hunting short, right? Because the people behind YouTube or YouTube itself, and probably not even people, they've set it up to work on its own now. They realize if I like cowboy action shooting, then maybe I like hunting. And so I click on the hunting video, and I'm watching it. And then it figures out, well, if I like the uh, hunting, then I probably like four-wheeling. I do, right? And so I click on that. And, and so we, uh, before I know it, there's a 100 videos right there at my ability to just click on and watch. Well, you know what? Things can go south pretty quick in that situation. It's not too hard to download junk into your heart. And sometimes it's junk that just wastes your time. And sometimes it's the junk that Jesus was talking about. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, lying, slander. Things that don't glorify God. It turns out it was a trap. And I realized that YouTube shorts were setting me up to trap me. I still watch one once in a while, but I guard my heart when I look at YouTube shorts. Now, the verse right after guard your heart, you know, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24, um, here's the verses that uh, follow that. It says, avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet 
stay on the safe path, don't get sidetracked, and keep your feet from following evil. There's a good way to line yourself out. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24 through 27, write that one down. This will line you out in a good way, help you guard your heart. Uh, one commentary that I read said that the pure in heart exhibit a single-minded devotion to God that stems from the eternal, internal cleansing created by following Jesus. Key word out of that uh, quote there is single-minded devotion to God. Single-mindedness. Now back to the set your heart verse, uh, Psalm chapter 119, verse 112. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. But the verse after that says, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. Now, the word hate is awfully, awfully strong. I don't really like that word. I don't, I don't let the kids use that word very often. But in this situation, the double-minded person, the person who has the idea of doing one thing and doing another thing, the word hate is used. And I don't think it's specifically meaning the person itself. Remember, our enemies are not flesh and blood but this state of being double-minded should be hated upon. Hate. So we should be single-minded, not lukewarm, not entertaining unpure things and then wanting to be pure at the same time, but be single-minded, set on looking straight ahead at God, fixing our eyes, making our path straight and staying on that safe path and not getting sidetracked, keeping our feet from following evil. Single-mindedness is what keeps us on a pure-hearted path. Let me tell you about a, a man who knew how to guard his heart. Daniel was a man of God during the time of Israel's captivity. He was selected to serve a pagan king in a foreign land. The first problem for Daniel was when they tried to feed him food that wasn't on his godly diet. So Daniel, uh, chosen by the king to serve him, uh, said, or the, the king says, I want you guys to eat this so that you can be perfect for my service. And um, Daniel says he takes issue with the uh, unclean food that they offer. He's probably saying, you got any lamb? that was properly prepared the Hebrew God-honoring way, and the king's uh, people said, no, this is what we have. And Daniel is guarding his heart. And Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, says that Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. 
He is not going to defile himself. And so he says, when they say, uh, when they give him the food there, he says, uh, no, sir. Daniel could have reasoned with himself. He could have said, mm, I'm in, I'm in a, actually a good, a good position. Uh, I'm under the king's care. I'm going to be used for the king's service. That's pretty important. The king likes me, and I'm a long ways away from home. My family probably here is not here, and they don't, won't see me. They won't know. Um, hey, everyone else around is doing the same thing, too. They would do it, so uh, nobody else thinks it's wrong. Why don't I just eat this unclean food and go ahead and gain from it? Oh, how about this one? Daniel could have said this, uh, God will forgive me. Yikes. He could have said that. I think sometimes we get in that trap to where, to where we think, mm, you know, I've done it before and God's forgiven me before. Those aren't thoughts of a pure heart, let me tell you. But you know what Daniel said? He didn't give in to any of that temptation. He said, no, sir. Go ahead and give me the vegetables. If that's all you got, I'll eat them and we'll be fine. And so uh, they do. Uh, they eat vegetables. And at the end of the, the, the 10 days or the period where um, they, were, they, were, uh, they were supposed to eat and bulk up, Daniel and his boys had just ate the vegetables and they were, they were so much tougher than the other guys who'd been eating all the protein-filled good food. Um, man, I, let me remind you about another fella named Joseph. Joseph was in a situation where he worked for the king as well, King Potiphar, and then one day Potiphar's wife uh, came to Joseph and propositioned him. And do you know what Joseph said? Joseph said, in his mind, no ma'am. No ma'am. Now, now, dudes, uh, don't say no ma'am to your wife, but... If you have to say no ma'am instead of no sir, then this is a special type of situation. It's probably not even worth saying out loud. You say it in your head because you are running. You are fleeing. You got to get out of that. That's what Joseph did when Potiphar came. He's like, uh-oh, this is a bad deal. And he uh, flees from that situation. Scripture says that type of a, a sin is different than all others. It affects us deep within. Guess where that is? In the heart. The, the, the sexual sin temptation is one that affects us deep within in our hearts. And so if you have the, the temptation, whether it is... Um, whether it is in, on TV or it's on your telephone or it's on the calendar on the wall. If you have to say, no, ma'am, um, then that's a situation where you have got to run. You've got to get away from it. No, ma'am is followed with, I'm out of here. You've got to guard your heart. And let, you remind, let me remind you why you have to guard your heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Because God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Now, what's the last part of this about? 
seeing God. It's easy to understand that we will see God in the end when we get to heaven, um, when we are on the other side of this life. I, I can accept that. But what about here and now? Today, in this life? How do we see God? Well, you know what happened with Daniel uh, when his buddies decided to uh, just eat the vegetables. It turns out he was better off than all the other dudes who ate the king's unclean food. Do you see God in that? I mean, we know that you can survive off of vegetables. It's possible. But is it possible to eat just vegetables and be so much stronger than the other guys who were eating everything they could possibly get? I see God in that. Oh, think about, uh, think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, they were thrown into the furnace because they said, we won't worship anything but our God. Throw them into the furnace. And they're walking around inside there, and they didn't burn up. Not a hair on their head was singed. Do you see God in that? I can see him. As a matter of fact, they could, prob they could see him as well because there was four guys walking around, not just the three guys. They were seeing God in the furnace. I think about David. God uh, chose for the Messiah to come through his line, a man who struggled with all kinds of uh, unpure things. But he kept coming to God, kept wanting to God kept wanting God to purify his heart, and God chose him to be in the line of Jesus. And not just in the line, there's a lot of people in the line of Jesus, but a lot of times we refer to Jesus, he's called the son of David. How cool is that? Oh, Joseph, man. Joseph was a second in command in all of Egypt. Because of that, he was able to save many lives from starvation. It's because he guarded his heart. Potiphar's wife came. He guarded his heart. And he became second in command of Egypt. Do you see God in that? Look around you. I see people who I know have had a rough past, but they have cried out to God asking for a clean heart. I see people who have set their hearts, and I see change in their lives. Change that is only possible with God. I believe that we can see Him. Oh, and what a blessing, what a blessing that is. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Will you submit your heart for purification today? Will you allow Him to clean your heart? And then will you make a commitment to continue guarding it? That's my prayer. Will you pray with me now?
Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for the examples that you've given to us in Scripture. Lord, we have hearts that try to take us every which way at once. Lord, help us to guard these hearts. We want you to clean them, to purify them. Change our hearts and set them on a path straight to you. And then God, help us to daily keep them clean. To daily uh, ferret out all of the junk that's inside of them. Lord, we trust you and understand that you can do this because you say it's true. Lord, we love you. And oh, we are excited that someday we get to be in a place with you that is perfect. Way beyond our comprehension and understanding of what good even is, Lord. We ask that you would forgive us today. We give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.